in search of lies Hello and welcome to the Anarchaeologist podcast. This is episode four on open access archaeology. Today I have Doug here with me on the show to talk a little bit more about what open access archaeology is, what does it mean, and why is it useful. So Doug, how are you today? Doing quite well today. That's good, that's good to hear, that's good to hear. So you run a Twitter account called Open Access Archaeology. Yes, also it's tied to a website, which is openaccessarchaeology.org, and we have a Tumblr account, which is openaccessarchaeology.tumblr.com. I should really look that up, actually. I should know yeah. this, but it's basically, yeah. it's Open Access Archaeology as a, t- a Tumblr mm-hmm. blog. So, um, so how long has this been running? Oh, we are heading up on about two years. Oh, okay. Uh, the Tumblr accounts and Twitter accounts are coming up on about the two-year anniversary fairly soon. And the website has been around for a while longer than that, possibly about three years. Um, but it's kind of gone through some different forms. It started out as a, a Google website that I closed down and moved to somewhere else. And so it's, um, yeah, it's... I should actually look up the date of how long it's been, but it's been about three yeah. years. So, I mean, yeah. obviously, um, obviously, uh, open access archaeology is something that a lot of archaeologists, I'm pretty sure, would feel very familiar with, like the concept of, you know, um, you know, having uh, archaeology available for not just other archaeologists or in journals, but for the general public. So, what made you kind of say, well, actually, there doesn't seem to be like a website or anything about open access archaeology. What what made you make the site? So it's actually quite amazing what's happened in the last couple of years. Uh, several years ago when I started the site, you say the words open access and you'd get a blank look. And some people would be like, is that like open source software? Hmm. The very concept of putting out publications for anyone to read was there but quite alien and people didn't know what it was so a couple of years ago when we started this um, basically the idea was hey open access it's amazing you should try it out and so that was the whole push a couple of years ago and since then uh, the world's changed quite a bit Uh, everyone okay I shouldn't say everyone (laughs) so if you're listening to this people open access is free for the user to access Mm. publications um, and in terms of academia, that has completely changed in the last basically two years where now everyone knows what we're talking about. It used to be where you'd say open access and you'd get sort of mm-hmm. funny looks, maybe dirty looks. Um, but now the UK has now mandated open access for projects that they fund through the research councils. The EU's mandated it. The, the United States has mandated it. Um, universities it's it's everywhere so it's it's actually quite changed but when we first started the website it was a mainly to actually get the idea out there so people actually knew what the term meant and that you could get free access to journals and archaeological research how did you come across the idea 
Like, did you just kind of wake up one morning and go, actually, you know what, this is really useful, this is really important, or were you introduced the idea? And now I'm trying to think back. Um, I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, why, why don't you just claim credit for it and, you know, the history books will write you as the victor? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I, I invented it. <laughs> um, gosh, I, basically it was... A couple of years ago, and I remember I was trying to look around for access to stuff. Um, I've always been sort of involved in the open movement, mm -hmm. so in general, open source, um, things like Wikipedia, stuff like mm -hmm. that. I've always been interested. So I think it just sort of naturally came to me a couple of years ago and the concept, but I could not tell you oh, on July 3rd of <laughs> no, 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 this know. year. That was... At 2 p.m. <laughs> Eastern Standard Time, the light bulb appeared. I, I uh, the light bulb appeared above your head. Um. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's just been something I've uh, been exposed to for a couple of years, and it was a while before I actually mm -hmm. thought, you know, archaeology could use more of this. So I mean, obviously, um, for those not really familiar with that, maybe people who aren't familiar with archaeology. What is the benefit? Like, who does who benefits from open access archaeology? Is it the general public who benefits from getting all that information that beforehand they didn't get, or is it the academics that benefit from getting their work out there? And like, how how does that kind of system work? Okay, so the short answer is all of the above and more. Um, the slightly longer is. So something we briefly talked about but before this podcast started was the public benefits in that they get access to all the archaeological information. And it's sort of a thing when you think about archaeology, the main purpose is actually to benefit the public. And so 90, 95% of archaeology is done here in the UK through what we call commercial archaeology. In the States, they call it CRM. Same thing. It's developer-led and we have laws that basically say you need to do archaeology, you need to preserve stuff, or you, if you're going to destroy it, we need to know the information out of it. And uh, I love an archaeologist once told me, you know, these laws are not welfare for archaeologists. They're not meant to employ archaeologists. They're actually meant to benefit the public. And so when we do all these digs, so yes, you can sometimes have the public along, but sometimes if it's on, like, let's say a construction site, you can't. And so a lot of things we produce out of these are reports and journal articles and books. And that is supposed to be a benefit to everyone, not just archaeologists. So it benefits the public. But then if you look at most archaeologists work in the commercial sector, and my favorite quote from mm -hmm. someone was, it was, it was a presentation at a conference where they said, and this paper was from 2009. I have no idea what happened after 2009 because I don't have access to any journals because I left university. And so it benefits a lot of archaeologists who just don't have access to all these journals mm -hmm. that you normally get at a university. And then university archaeologists, academics, actually benefit as well. So everyone thinks that, oh, you have a library and it's basically unlimited, read whatever you want. But in fact, when you look at libraries, they don't actually have access to all the journals. Um, I did a study a while ago, and we looked at a couple of libraries and what they had access to. And Harvard, mm -hmm. Harvard, richest university in the world, does not have access to all the archaeology journals, maybe around 70% or so. Um, and these are online. Mm -hmm. So 
they only subscribe to 70% online. And then you look at other universities like Oxford or Edinburgh, and they're in the 60s. And then, I mean, if you think about lots of small departments, they probably maybe only have access to a couple of journals. So when you do open access, which is making your work available to anyone for free, you basically benefit everyone from the public to the commercial sector to the academics who need to access all this information that we're producing. Excellent. So how how then do you structure open access archaeology? Because, I mean, is open access archaeology, is it in the form of data that's raw from the site? Is it in the form of uh, grey literature? Uh, or is it in the form of completed reports? I mean, how is this material not just accessible in a kind of, you know, a literal sense, but accessible to people who aren't familiar with archaeology. So, uh, open access is a bit of a catch-all term. Um, it was originally meant to apply to academic writing, but has now kind of basically covered all sectors. Uh, technically, when you get to... Mm-hmm. data there's a term open data um but it's all part of the sort of the open family as you were to call it so open source which is access to computer codes open data which is access to the raw data and mm-hmm. open access which is access to the publications and so when we talk about open access we're really talking about publications um and mm-hmm. i include everything in that so anything that you publish that people can access for free, I would call open access. Um, Other people might have a different definition, but to be honest, it's all about the idea of the open movement. So you get access to data that you need and you don't have to pay for it and you don't have to, you know, Mm -hmm. hunt for it and be denied access. Uh, Open source is you get to use software and build on it however you want. Open access is you get to read the publications wherever they may be, how you want. So that's kind of it fits yeah. into a much larger ecosystem, but it's kind of it's meant to be so just describing obviously publications. An important part of open access is making sure it's open, you know. And you also, you know, when you talked about how making it's beneficial to the public, I mean, how do you ensure outreach of this material? How do you make sure that people know about open access? What do you do to let people know about it? So that is kind of the original reason Open Access Archaeology, the website, was created and the Twitter account. And so on the Twitter account, I at one point scraped uh, 11,000 and several hundred, I can't remember the exact number, articles. I got their URLs. And so the Twitter account, basically every couple of hours, tweets out a link and it says, Open Access Article, see it. And the basic idea is Mm -hmm. open access is like free beer. You really don't need to explain it to people. (laughs) They get the concept once they've tried it. Um, So it's one of those things where it's like, wait, free access to an article? Mm -hmm. I don't have to pay 30 or 40 pounds or $100 (laughs) or, you know, whatever it is in yen to access these articles. And so the Mm -hmm. idea was just basically, you know, the information's there. If you want to read it, go for it. And so the idea was basically try to get people to understand it. And so we also put up a blog as well. And that 
puts out like a sort of blogs once a day, a list to of open access articles, and so that's kind of the ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very fun thing that happened a couple of years ago was at the CAA UK conference, mm-hmm. which was ho- hosted by LP Archaeology in London. And I should say this idea was not mine; it was all LP Archaeology's. I just repl- uh, provide the links, but they basically there's a there's a company. <laughs> that will do edible QR codes. So we did links to Q, uh, to open access journals and articles, and we made those into QR codes, and we put them on cupcakes, and we gave out the cupcakes to people at that conference. And so, again, brilliant idea, completely LP Archaeology came up with it. I just provide the links, but that is one way we get people involved in learning more about open access. Um, and it is interesting, so the Twitter account as you would imagine, followed by lots of archaeologists, but also followed by a lot of people who don't appear to have much interest, uh, well, not a professional interest mm-hmm. in archaeology, so they don't say on their account, I'm an archaeologist. Um, some of them just follow along, retweet, because they're interested in archaeology, but you know, they're computer developers, uh, real estate agents, um, a whole host of people who are just interested in archaeology but like to read the information. Um, so obviously, um, this is kind of a ongoing project. But have you ever kind of set yourself goals? What you would like to do? I mean, what's it been like working? Uh, have you worked with other people? What's it been like? I mean, is there things that you definitely want to do, or do you kind of take it day by day? A bit of both. So um, there has been goals. Unfortunately, the goalposts keep getting moved mm-hmm. for good reasons. So as I mentioned. We the original goal was to get archaeologists to understand what open access is and to try to do it more, and try to utilize the resources. Um, it's it's a two way street. One, archaeologists should be doing more open access, and two, we sh- we once we make a resource open access, we should be using it. Um, so that was the original goal. But now, so many people know what open access is. We still do that, but it's kind of moved into the background, um, and. The goals are now much different than what they were when I started this out. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll go into that in a minute. But and then on the kind of day to day, it is a bit of interacting with people, um, conversations. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's more organic growth. So uh, on Twitter, someone will be like, "Oh, open access. You should talk to at Open Access Arc," and then I start mm-hmm. talking to people that way, and so projects come up. And things like that. So it's a mixture of both. And in terms of long-term goals, that's kind of switched over. From now that we've got enough people, I'd say a critical mass, who at least know the general idea of open access, now it's about Mm -hmm. providing the tools so people can do it themselves. So there's this this software out there. It's um, Open Journal System. And lots of journals... Lots of open access journals use it, and it's halfway decent, but um, it could probably use with more user-friendly interface. So that, let's say, you know, your local archaeological society could pick it up, and someone could do it, similar to like a WordPress blog, where you actually don't really need to know too much other than type and click publish and stuff like that. So the goal now is to try to make a better infrastructure. And this is just in the sort of idea phase. So 
playing around with like making a WordPress plugin of some sort that allows someone to do open access publishing on a WordPress site quite easily. So something very user friendly and basically making it easier so that anyone can do it because now their publishing is not exactly yeah something that's quite easy there's a lot you have to worry about you have to worry about preservation of the stuff of your articles what happens if your website goes down what happens if your organization stops mm-hmm. will it just disappear into you know the wilds of the internet and no one will ever hear about it again mm-hmm. um, and a lot of technical issues mainly actually so that's that's kind of the next step that we're aiming at so if you find that when you're doing research and you're doing work that you're incorporating more open access articles into your work because when you're looking at a lot of you know material that's out there i knew i know uh during my dissertation that you know i was looking for a lot of material and a lot of the time you know i I was looking at uh, through i had to go you know jump through paywalls through my university i mean how has open access changed the way you do research um it's has made it incredibly a lot easier to do research um and especially when I don't have access to a university account, it's made it, it's been basically a lifesaver. You probably couldn't do it mm-hmm. without it. Um, it used to be, I mean, 30, 40 years ago, you could subscribe to one or two journals, you know, Antiquity, American Antiquity, Joint Society, and that would be enough. But now we have literally hundreds of archaeology mm-hmm. journals. You can't subscribe to them all. You can't access them all. It's changed a lot. So, especially when we're publishing more than we've ever published, and it's really not sustainable behind paywalls. You can't access enough information. So, I would say we're getting to the point where you can't do research now without open access, even if you're at a university. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, it, it's almost gotten to the point where I now look at articles that are behind paywalls, and I, I have this moment where I'm like, you know, I'm not sure if I should even bother looking at this article or citing it because so much out there is open access and why should I be helping people who are closing off their research? Um, so it, it hasn't quite got to that point where I won't cite people who don't put their work open access. But it is, it is, it's getting to that point where it's now switched to, oh man, why, why, why couldn't you publish this open access? Why couldn't you put this up on your academia page? Do you actually really want me to read this? I could probably find someone else who said a very similar thing and cite them because it's open access. Do Ooh. I even bother? Um, it, it, it becomes more of an ethical question about you know, mm-hmm. what's good practice of citing people or what you know, do you just cite people who only do open access because you know they're actually taking the effort to put it out there. I don't know. It, mm. I haven't quite decided which way I'm going yet, but that's that's where I'm at at this point. Mm-hmm. So obviously you've talked about the website, the Twitter, and you've kind of talked a little bit about the um, Tumblr bug. I mean, when you are using these um, methods, I mean, what, what kind of, what preparation do you do for what you put out there? Do you kind of just, I mean... Obviously, you said you had like 11,000 open access links and, you know, Twitter just, you know, schedule links them out. But I mean, what um, what do you think about when you're kind of talking about this and putting it out there? What kind of 
preparation so, goes in? So, uh, it depends on the platform, really. Oh, we also have a Facebook account as well, Facebook page. Um, and so, different, different mediums work in different ways. So, Twitter, basically, a title and the words open access and a link and the hashtag archaeology is enough to let people know. Um, and usually if it's a long title, that sort of takes up the 140 characters. And so that's quite mm-hmm. simple. Um, and that I just basically kind of went through a, a bunch of journals and were like, this is good content. Just took the links and put them out there. Facebook tends to do better with images. And the same with Tumblr. So that that's a bit different I kind of automa- um, automated Tumblr at this moment, but when I first started out, I basically would go through articles, and I had a bunch of RSS feeds, and so I'd get the articles come in, yeah. and I'd take a look at them, and I'd be like, oh, that is a really good image. And I'd put put the image up, and then a link to the article, and the image drove a lot of people to interact. And it was very interesting to see what people were very interested in on Tumblr. It was mm-hmm. a, a very... so. Being from the States, I was originally trained as an anthropologist. So um, the whole anthropology of what people reblogged, favorited, mm-hmm. and so forth is very interesting. Um, bones did really well. So skeletons, anything to do with bones, does incredibly well on Tumblr. Um, and then very random stuff as well. So I remember there, there's a there's a journal based on African archaeology, uh, well, African diaspora, African archaeology, and there's a review to a book which was Black Feminist Archaeologist. And I oh, okay. liked the title, and so I just put, it was uh, it was an open access review, so I just put that up there just kind of on a whim. And I'm pretty sure, I have to go back and look at the numbers, that is my number one most reblogged uh, and uh-huh. spread favorited post on Tumblr was just this review of this book. Um, and that's just because people just loved the the basically the book cover of Black Feminist Archaeologists. And it is amazing to see what people are very interested in and what brings people to archaeology. Um, so mm-hmm. some very random stuff you put up there brings people in. So you could put something up about gardening and suddenly touch into a whole gardening sector of Tumblr or Twitter that is, they're mainly interested for the gardening, but because, you know, it involves, archaeology involves gardening, they love it. And so Mm. it's sort of a nice mixture. It's it's where archaeology starts to branch out from just archaeology and starts Mm. to touch on other topics that are relevant to people that you get some really great interactions. So what what kind of, um, obviously you're really... Uh, you lo- love getting stuck in with other people, especially online. I mean, is there anything uh, like, is that really what uh, what makes archaeology kind of, uh, is that what makes archaeology appeal to you? Is that what kind of drives you forward? I mean, what drives your passion? Um, I would say there's multiple passions. So I do, as mm-hmm. you say, love to, you know, engage with people and get archaeology out there. Um, I also find on a personal level, and so this is what, how I get, originally got started in archaeology, it's just really damn fascinating. Um, it, mm-hmm. You can never, basically it's the entire world, any subject that just happens to be slightly old. 
Um, so you can never get bored with archaeology. You it takes you into every other discipline basically at some point. So you know medical, gardening if you want. Um, it, there's I've done the archaeology of pineapples. It's it, it takes you just amazing places. So that's that's sort of my my passion in archaeology is actually a personal one, which is it just it's fascinating. And then the other one is I do like to interact with people, and I'm a firm believer in public archaeology. So what's uh, what's the plan in the coming months? Do you have anything coming up to do with open access archaeology? Are you involved in any uh, conferences? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anything that people can be on the lookout for? Um, yes. So there, there's a couple of things that revolve around that um i just got done presenting at a couple of conferences i'm sure i'll be presenting at more in the future but uh we so if anyone's listening to this and they're in the edinburgh area we actually are now taking open access uh journal articles so they tend to be somewhat technical and more you know professional minded but and Mm -hmm. And we're basically taking them and using them in Wikipedia articles. So we have what we call Wiki Club, and we meet once a month here in Edinburgh, and we basically go through journal articles and put them, put the information up on Wikipedia in a slightly more condensed and accessible format. So you don't actually have to be an archaeologist to understand it. And so that's something that's been going on for a couple of months, and hopefully will be going on into the future. And a series of other projects, somewhat technical, probably don't want to bore all the listeners with. It's, it's, yeah, it's I'm like, PHP <laughs> and coding, it'll be great. But that's, that's like a whole different thing. Uh, a lot of it's going to be infrastructure sort of stuff and technical. Yeah. Um, I would like to get back to basically posting photos on Tumblr and stuff. Right now, it's, it's more a list of links. And so I'm trying to make a more automated system yeah. to send out images and get people more more engaged with those uh with those posts mm-hmm. on uh Tumblr so stuff like that but that's very highly technical that I'm sure would pretty much put most people to sleep <laughs> so um if if I'm an archaeologist and I want to get my I've just written in a most amazing piece and I need to kind of get it out there on open access w- what's the best way to do it so Open Access Archaeology, the website, has a searchable database of open access venues to publish in. So I would say go there first. Um, and there's a bit of a misconception out there. And most people think of open access as what they call gold open access, which is the author pays a fee and then it's open access. Most, and by most, I mean 90 of archaeology journals that have open access don't charge the author. I have to look up the exact numbers, but there's only a a couple of journals that actually do that. They're 100% open access. Um, Some traditional paywall journals do that as well, but most of them don't. So there's just so many journals out there that you can publish in that are probably pretty relevant. And you can also search that database by subject. So, you know, computing, um, regions, Europe, Africa, Asia, South America, North America, all sorts of stuff. So you could probably find a venue to publish in that's open access if you want to go that mm-hmm. route. Another way of doing it is, um, even if it is behind a paywall, some publishers mm-hmm. allow you to put a 
preprint, so that's before it's been put, you know done up by the journal and they've put in their page counts and you know all that stuff. You can put it on a website, your personal website, which tends a lot of people use academia.ed or .edu. Uh, there's another yep. couple out there that do very similar things. So if you don't want to do academia. Uh, .edu. There's other websites you can do it on. You can do it on your personal website, so you can put it out there, so people can find it. Um, That's that I would say is the bare minimum. Even if a lot of people feel that there's career pressures, they can't publish in certain venues, and they have to go with you know paywall publishers. Even then, try to put your articles out there so people can read them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the ideal situation, but there's one. And if you're at a university, most universities have a a repository, which means there's always that risk that academia.edu would eventually disappear and all the articles might disappear off the net. Um, If you're at a university, they have a repository that they'll keep for God knows how long, and they've they've backed (laughs) it up other places, and so it'll always be there, and you'll always be able to, um, other people will always be able to access it. So those are just a couple of avenues you could do for open access publishing. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That was Doug from Open Access Archaeology talking about Open Access Archaeology. You can check out his website, just Google Open Access Archaeology, or follow the Twitter for lots of links to Open Access Archaeology. Or follow the... Oh, God. Or follow the Twitter... (laughs) You may have to cut this and restart. It's fine. Or follow the Twitter for access to lots of Open Access Archaeology articles oh damn it okay I'll, I'll do it now i'll do it in post i'll do it in post that's all i'll say i'll do it in post